Hello and welcome to the Property Roundup on iProperty Radio with myself, Carol Tallon, where we chat to industry experts to get a view on trends emerging and, and what's happening on the ground. The show is brought to you in partnership with Property District, changing the narrative of the industry. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Ulrich Rice, founding partner of Arrow Architects. Ulrich, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Delighted to be here. Um, Ulrich, Arrow Architects. What what buildings would Arrow Architects be best known for in an Irish context? Well, in the Irish context, it would definitely be Dublin Landings. I think this is our first and largest project, and a project that that where we did both master plan kind of building designs and in interiors as well in some projects. So yeah, I think it has the the whole scale of of what we're able to do. Very good. And Dublin Landings obviously is one of the most iconic buildings to be um, delivered in recent years. And, you know, it seems strange to call a building so new iconic, but I truly think with the changing landscape and skyline of the Docklands, Mm. the buildings that we're seeing emerge from that truly are iconic. They're iconic for this generation. So, you know, from that point of view, you're really shaping the the skyline in an area that w- was so iconic with its pool bag chimneys and you know mm. the, so um that's that's always requires a certain sensitivity um and given the heritage of our docklands and the fact that they had been unchanged for so long you know talk to us a little bit about you know maybe how you integrate the heritage of this really special area for dublin people and for irish people into such a contemporary world-class project. Mm, thank you. I mean, I, I think kind of when, when we started back in 2015 on, on, on the project, you have to imagine that there basically hadn't been any real construction after the Celtic Tiger, you know, the Central Bank of Ireland just next to Tudor was still a, still a shell. Um, and so we, we, we came to a place where, where basically we could see that the developments of the past um, were all very large scale. They had very uniform kind of uh, materiality. And we felt that this was a place of a, of a different scale, of a, a, also a different robustness. You know, um, I think the past were using a lot of like steel and glass and we came in with some more uh, robust materials, also kind of the bricks and these large, very large steel columns that we are using, which are reminiscent of kind of the the, the steel that you would find in cranes, you would find in 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 in, in the bollards, and and that also tone of paint, which would remind you of of that kind of industrial heritage. And then I think we broke down the scale, and 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 what we mean by that is that every single building has a, a different expression, so you get kind of this feeling of uh, a village, so to speak, where you have a lot of diversity within the blocks. And where we could see what had happened in the past was that the blocks tended to be designed just as one architectural expression. So you would have to kind of, to have a feeling of diversity, you would have to travel multiple blocks of the Docklands, where what we came with was a breakdown of the scale inside of the blocks with a lot of diversity and a lot of different architectural expressions, which would make kind of you experience kind of this uh, diversity in, 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 in architecture. And then we combine this with, with a, a landscaping approach that I think is, is, is very new to, 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 to Dublin and to Ireland. Talk to us a little bit about that landscaping approach. Yeah, so we had kind of, we're working very much with a natural landscape and, and um, 
we kind of made made the concept and, and Bernard Simo uh, kind of uh, de de developed that, but it's the idea of a natural landscape and the idea that the landscape should feel like it has always been there. And so we integrated very much kind of uh, a very uh, open uh, landscape with uh, a setting which is not like too designed. And we believe that actually kind of, you know, some people are using the buildings, but everybody is using the streets and is, is using the city. So for us, it was very important that we kind of also created something, a public realm and a placemaking approach that, that I think is, is, is making this place very special compared to what was there before. Um, and I think a, a new approach that we can see now being replicated in, in, in other kind of developments uh, in, in the Docklands. Um, you talk about how you wanted this to really have a different scale, but what do you mean by that? Yeah, so basically kind of if, if you imagine uh, the, the surrounding blocks, they, they were all kind of uh, designed in, with one material, one architectural expression. So you would have a whole city block, let's say, uh, in white and with the same architectural expression. So what we did by scale is that we took this buildings, these buildings that would have been expressed in one way and gave each of these buildings inside of that block a different architectural expression, a little bit different height, a little bit different kind of uh, materiality so that you would have a multitude of architectural expressions in one place. And that would allow you, for example, in the residential kind of buildings, you know, you could clearly identify, oh, this is my building because it's the red one with that brick. This is my building because it's the metal one in gray. This is the one in black, you know, and, 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 and through that create more, I would say, more identity, you know, also for people living there. And, um, you know, placemaking is something that has certainly grown in the industry consciousness over the past decade and a half. Um, and I think we're possibly still at the stage where there's a little bit of tokenism, a little bit of saying the right thing as opposed to doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe maybe you could share your perspective on where you think placemaking, the quality of placemaking, and I suppose um, are we uh, where we are in Ireland right now as an industry, not just on one particular project, but really, you know, has the placemaking movement caught on in a way that can genuinely result in better developments for everybody? Yeah, I think I think kind of there is a, a word. I mean, like uh, Arrow Arctics is is a Copenhagen based company, uh, and we've been working in Ireland for many many years. But we are basically working with hundred percent export, which means that we are working outside of Denmark, and we are working across Europe. So what we do see is that we see that every single country is is dealing with things in in in, in a different way. And I think uh, an element that is very much kind of uh, we hear a lot in Ireland is, is commercial reality. And so with that commercial reality, there is, I think, a sense that that things have to be done in a certain way, which, which makes it like, I think, uh, at some level, quite conservative and maybe not so open sometimes for new ideas that that I think we are trying to, to promote or that we can see are being, being done in, in other places. So I think kind of like there is a very much this connection between the building and the public realm, 
I think is, is one of all kind of key elements is to how to integrate kind of the master plan, the public realm with the building itself. And not only see the building as a piece of 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 design, you know. And I think I think we see that a lot. You know, I think there is a tendency of commercial buildings to be very much alike. Um, and I think sometimes uh, we are missing a little bit the kind of that diversity that we see elsewhere in expression, in functionality, and in mix of of functions. Um. I absolutely agree with you, and I'm really glad that you articulated like that because we do talk about inspirational placemaking and developing great spaces in the same breath as we add that layer of caution about the commercial reality. And you're absolutely right. It means that we're maybe not as bold in our approach as we might be. How much of that is down to the industry and industry sentiment and the planning regime and trying to get planning for developments? Yeah, I mean, like it, it's it's that's a really interesting question. I think my, my take on it is probably coming from from multiple angle uh, onto this. I think there is an a, an element of, um, and we see that very much that that this is how we do things. So I think I think there is that kind of almost at objecting to kind of ideas because you don't believe that it's possible. I think that's the advantage we have when we come from from outside of the country, so to speak. It is that we are able to sometimes ask those questions and we are not kind of fearful of actually doing that because we don't have a, a preemptive opinion of how it's going to be. So therefore, we are able to, to, to ask and we are able to do. And then we see that it, it happens. It goes through, you know. Um, I think I think a very good example of that in the Dublin Landings project is that the residential kind of buildings are opened up, and we did lose uh, obviously a lot of apartments that we could have built. Um, but we kind of like, you know, said to the client that it would allow us, for example, for the apartments which are closer to Mayo Street, very far away from from the the river, to have a view to the river, and make these kind of become part of. Uh, a, a bigger community. And that took the courage to say, okay, we need to lose this and this building here. And we did that. And the client liked the idea. And that is also one of the things that makes kind of the, the project very unique today. And I think I think it's 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 daring to 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 ask these questions and then then do it. Um, and I think that's a bit of freedom that comes from from not being locals, so to speak. Yeah, that's a really interesting and quite a refreshing take on it. Um, In terms of, you know, again, bringing that community in. So you are creating a community. And I like the way you talked about Dublin Landing as, you know, even internally creating that village feel. But obviously, Dublin Landings is in the context of its surroundings. So there Mm -hmm. has to be, um, you know, bringing in the wider community and the cognizance of that. And obviously, that's a community that is, you've got the extremes. So you've got not just residential and commercial, you have highly affluent and highly deprived areas. Sure. It, you know, running in side by side in streets. And that is unusual. I mean, obviously it does happen in cities, but that's that's possibly one of the more extreme examples that we have in Dublin. So how do you approach the community side? And I suppose I'm really asking this question, trying to understand the social value here. Um, you know, when you're taking in, you're not dealing with a community, you're dealing with actually a lot of very different communities. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think I think that was also one of the the, the big big things when we started the project. It was like I think there was like a lot of. You know, I think that was Ballymore's kind of uh, view on on being a first mover into an area that had a, a very very bad reputation, and how you kind of like you know how do you manage to not create a a community which is exasperating kind of those those differences. And I think I think that is like a really really difficult thing to do. So obviously you have a social housing, and we have one of these blocks be, be, being be, being that, and also offering some functionality for the local community. But obviously, kind of, I think it's it's like when you imagine like 5,000 workers working around the Central Bank of Ireland, there is going to come a lot of 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 of, uh, of change in, in, into the area, and it has also a tendency to obviously push a lot of people that used to to live there to to, to somewhere else. And I think there is a, a, a obviously kind of um, a, a balance that is a little bit outside of the architect's kind of uh, power to be able to influence these things. So I think what our approach has been like, let's make a, a public space, which is kind of like, you know, generous, which is um, open for all. And, and then I think together with Ballymore, we've been able to, they have been able to attract kind of certain businesses and so on that, that is giving life to, 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 to the streets and trying to change kind of all of that into a, a, a living living area. But there is one thing that we also notice, which is very different in Ireland. It's like, you know, it's, uh, it's all the security. Uh, it's all the kind of fencing off of, of spaces. Um, and it's, it's elements that we are, are not familiar with working in, 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 in other countries. So I think there is, there is definitely a kind of a different approach to, to, to things in general. I mean, let me just come with an example, for example. You're, you are, you're putting, um, how do you say, um, um, not fences, but uh, rail, <laughs> rail guards uh, towards the water. So for us in Copenhagen, we have uh, made uh, swimming pools into <laughs> into what you would have like the river. So it, it's a it's it's a very different approach. You know, we we kind of cleaned up our waters. You can actually kind of like swim in it, uh, and you have this approach of being able to access it. And I think a lot of things that we see is that, you know, it's being kind of like keeping people out and away instead of maybe trying to have a, a bit of different approach to it, you know, yeah. so it's... Well, it's, no doubt, Ulrich, you will have seen that, um, you know, key people within Dublin City Council have really tried to use the Liffey. Um, they, they really have tried to use and they've come up against quite a lot of political resistance to sure. it. Um, so, I, look, I, I, I take that entirely on board we are not good at using our natural our natural resources at all but we also have this um almost like nanny state protecting people from things that we should have a reasonable expectation they can protect themselves from sure sure um and that is an issue but you know i i suppose i i don't think it's a coincidence that you know um it took one of ireland's absolute best property developers you know Ballymore are world class um mm, so absolutely. they were never going to do this the way you know a, a lesser experienced um uh, property developer was going to do it but I would say that you know Ballymore are absolutely world class and they deliver world class um projects outside of Ireland um but I think that in some of the other jurisdictions in which they operate 
they have a stronger focus on social value. And I think social value hasn't garnered, maybe again, it's down to this commercial reality, but I don't believe that social value has become a commercial reality for property developers here yet. And that's bad for the community because there is already a lack of trust between not just the community and property developers, but between property developers and the community and both of those parties separately and individually towards their local authority. You know, when it comes to delivering places, um, we have a lack of trust that runs in all directions. And social value could be an antidote to that. But the the again commercial reality it's not an economic imperative right now as it is perhaps in london um mm. and how do we get to that in mm. order to to do placemaking that can really have a, a wider impact mm-hmm. yeah well i think as as far as i i understand it i mean and i have a limited perspective on this i mean like we've been working with Ballymore on 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 Dublin landings but also on on the Connolly quarter together with RKD um and also on 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 Guinness and and i think i think there is an element in in the Irish planning system which is kind of undefined, and that is why kind of like there is always there, there is no kind of local local plans in the sense you know that is defining heights and that is extremely prescriptive. And and we have these things, uh, for example, in, in in Denmark and elsewhere, where you also would kind of lay in kind of okay, you can do this, you cannot do that, and and you can do it to this height and so on, so so that you know in 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 what what box you're operating in. And I think, uh, as I see it here, there is a lot of trading, you know, going go, going on, which kind of is an insecurity a little bit between for the city, but also for the developers and also for the people, because you're, you're treading into a, a space which is which is a bit undefined. And I think I think that also kind of makes it difficult for the city to to actually say, okay, we need this and we want this. You know, where, where are the schools? In the Docklands, you know, where, where are other kindergartens? Where are all the the, the 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 public kind of amenities, you know, that are needed for you to be able to create a a, a city, so to speak, you know? So I think I think there is a, a a battle that has been going on between kind of the planning system and, and and developers, and I don't I don't see that as being a benefit to anybody at the end of the day, neither for the developers or the city. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And in fact, uh, most of the industry and very many within the the uh, public service would agree with you um, that actually we know that we are missing the, the simple templates that somebody can go in and, and understand what the boundaries are in terms of building height and building. And, and uh, to hear you describe it as almost this trading that happens really goes to the heart of what's wrong with our planning system. Um, you know, you describe it as as insecurity. And, you know, that level of uncertainty is, is making it so that developments only of a certain scale can achieve viability because we don't have that predictability. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there, there's such a risk in moving yeah. forward with planning. Now, we know that that there's a draft um, planning bill on the table right now. It doesn't really address any of these issues. In Ireland, we've been talking about reform of the planning regime for well over a decade, maybe a decade mm-hmm. and a half. Yeah. Um, and yet the changes that are coming, it's still more, you know, pottering around the edges. We're not really dealing with reform 
Um, you know, how how does that make you feel then in terms of some of the other larger projects that, you know, need to happen? You know, are you confident? Do, do you have confidence in the planning authority in Dublin to be able to ensure that the best places are being delivered? I mean, I, I, th- I think kind of like, uh, you know, my, my experience uh, is obviously with these very large kind of uh, scale project that have a lot of resources uh, to be able to kind of put into the development of the design and so on. So I think the the, the planning people that are meeting, I mean, like I think are, are extremely competent, but they also have a, a very tough challenge because they have to balance so many different uh, interests. Um, and you know, at one hand, kind of allow allow kind of planning to happen, um, developments to happen, but also kind of protecting the interests of the city. And I think, kind of like when 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 you have when when you maybe some of the things are not so defined, it's always a, a case by case uh, situation, which I think makes kind of the the planning process very risky, but also gives the city sometimes. Um, very little leeway in, in what they actually can can request, you know, um, and and so I think I think it's I think they are in a in a in a in a very challenging kind of situation, you know, um, but I think that they're, they're doing uh, a good work in in being able to impose and review kind of designs and so on and so on. Could it be better? Yeah, sure, absolutely. But I think I think that goes for 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 everywhere. Yeah. That's that's very diplomatic of you, Ulrich. Yeah, no, I would say I would say diplomatic in 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 the sense that I think there is a reality, there is a really a reality to that. You know, that is, I mean, we, I think at some level, uh, the risk for for the for the developers is is definitely that there is this uncertainty. You know, you you don't know, like, if I'm doing this, is that okay? You know, or what will the answer be? You know, uh, and and for the city. I think at the same time, I think it's it's also kind of obviously the city they they want the best possible quality for for the city, you know, and and that that depends obviously on the quality of developers and the quality of the architects and the quality of the teams, you know. So I think it's I think we see here in 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 Denmark that the the planning system is extremely prescriptive. It's like. For every five meters of, of uh, street, you need to have an entrance that is like this, that has a canopy like that, that has this. You can only use these three different type of materials. It's almost so prescriptive that they're designing the building for you, you know, because they had kind of a mistrust about the quality that the developers was coming with. So then they felt, and they had also had the tools because we have a, a, a local plans for every single street in, in the whole of Denmark. So they had kind of the tools to be able to then become very prescriptive to assure that there was a certain quality that was delivered. But I would say it's almost become too much because now you are almost without any any kind of uh, leeway uh, or flexibility to be able to propose designs. And I think for me, kind of a, a planning system is always to assure a minimum level of, of design. It should never be a ceiling. It's only a floor you stand on. Yeah, I actually I think that's a great way to describe it. It should only be the floor, not the ceiling, because obviously we want every generation to be able to shape their skyline. And we want yeah. to see the influence of every generation on yeah. 
a town and city skyline. So no, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, that's all we have time for today, but certainly I would love to to have another chat with you at a later date about um, Connolly Quarter and definitely Guinness Quarter, because I think Guinness Quarter is one of the most exciting placemaking projects to happen um, on the uh, I, I, I not quite inner city, but close enough to the inner city um, in recent years. So I think that's another really exciting one. Um, and I hope that we can chat about that at sure. a later date. And um, so my thanks to Ulrich Rice, founding partner of Arrow Architects, and my thanks to producer Katie Talon and the Hear Me Roar production team on sound. Um, also, thanks to our show producer, Property District, changing the narrative of the industry. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out all of the other real estate and construction shows on iProperty Radio. And thank you indeed for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode of Property Roundup on iProperty Radio.